Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block. And today, joining us on the other side of the mic is our guest, Paolo, the chief technology officer for Tether and Bitfinex. He's been on the show before. You should know him. Friend of the show. And today, we're going to be discussing... Well, we put out a story the other day, I think it was yesterday, that maybe we've already breached the all-time high in total outstanding USDT supply. But you guys have been making a lot of headlines outside of that, the monthly Bitcoin purchases as well, the bear market performance. But before we dive into all that, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. This show is sponsored in part by CleanSpark, America's Bitcoin miner. With CleanSpark, you can feel good about investing in the Bitcoin ecosystem because CleanSpark uses low-carbon energy for their Bitcoin mining data centers and is always optimizing their operations to increase energy efficiency and reduce e-waste, all while partnering with the communities they operate in. If you want to support the future of Bitcoin while also supporting the environment, visit www.cleanspark.com to learn more about the CleanSpark way. So, Paolo, I shared the chart with you yesterday. Um, I guess before we dive into that, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me, Frank. Of course, of course. So, Keiko had its own theory that Tron USDT is a darling among the whales. What do you think's driving um, activity? Because, as they sort of put it, it, it's not necessarily translating or connected, rather, to an increase in centralized exchange volumes. What's What's behind this sort of um, surge? Well, I think, first of all, um, Tron is definitely the most used blockchain for Tether, right? Without, without any doubts. So uh, the reason is fees and, and speed in general, right? So think about it. Tether, uh, as al almost every single big centralized stablecoin, is anyway centralized, right? So it's... Um, Tether is a centralized stablecoin that uses a decentralized transport layer, that is the blockchain. So using Tether on uh, Tron or using Tether on Ethereum or using Tether on, Tether on something else, of course, um, the difference is that it will allow you to access different DeFi projects and similar. But uh, the reality of things is that when it comes to transactions, every blockchain is the same, right? You know, the only thing that matters is uh, speed and fees. And so happens that uh, Tron is, uh, is the most used to uh, transact in Asia, in Africa and in South America um, and uh, is, is the clear winner. And if you add to the fact that uh, more and more Tether is being used in, as a mean of exchange um, in emerging markets, uh, you, we posted a thing a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, how Tether is growing in Brazil. For example, right on a daily volume and a weekly, monthly is, is going through the roof. That happened in Turkey and uh, in Georgia and many other uh, similar locations for, for, for similar, not for the, um, uh, the fact that they are nearby um, uh, geographically, but because they share some of the, the issues on the devaluation of national currency and so on. So, um, 
I think that especially when we think about you know the uh, the fact that Ethereum is heavily uh, subject to fee spikes, and uh, if we are seeing like you know um, you know five to ten to fifteen to thirty dollars to send a transaction, keep in mind that for for certain people uh, even like uh, half a dollar one dollar is already too much to send a transaction, right? So, I mean, so far um, Ethereum is not a great choice for for the unbanked or or the people that. Uh, that need like a really they need to make many transactions per day and need cheap transaction fees basically do you have a sense of the breakdown of people using tether um sort of the the profile of of user um trader versus sort of this more global south um user versus maybe merchants like do you have a sense of um who's using it and for what? So the data cannot be perfect because there is um, uh, the, the fact that, uh, uh, for example, in South America or in Africa, the, um, there is still a lot of usage of, uh, of stable coins, specific Tether, USDT in, uh, in centralized exchanges, or it could be you know, yellow card for, for uh, Africa or you know, um, uh, some specific regional exchanges for, for South America. And um, so the data is uh, is not precise but we are seeing from 2019 a huge shift right 2019 was 99 percent uh crypto trading settlement right without any doubts uh kind of similar 2020 uh, but from uh, the pandemic period, after the pandemic period started, then we started seeing a big shift in the usage of uh, USDT in, um, in, uh, in, in just holding, so uh, store wealth, and also um, pure services, right? So for example, the peer-to-peer -peer trading app that exists on, I think, Binance and OKX and others uh, is heavily centralized around, uh, and around Tether. And um, all the payments part is heavily centralized uh, around Tether. So uh, from what we gather, I think is we could say that now is around still 60% of the volume of the usage is uh, crypto trading settlement and 40%. That is already an outstanding number is uh, is payments and uh, and holding on, you know, mm, you know, on the, let's say, global south, as, as you call it. So how do you maybe, um, or how have you as a, as a firm pushed into that latter group is it is it organic or are you you know are there are there certain initiatives or um, you know business plans in place to kind of further that adoption on the payment side so I wish we could take all the credit to made, to have made um, tether USDT successful in um, in um, uh, you know, in these emerging markets. The reality of things is that uh, Tether has been, you know, of course now we have a, a, an amazing team, but historically, you know, you know us, right? You have been following us since a long time. And uh, we didn't have marketing uh, until like, you know, uh, late 2021. So actually the big uptake of uh, USDT um, has been organic. And I, I think the, the reason is that, again, we, is not a, we cannot take credit. It's just the product was useful and you had a ton of people that were uh, heavily affected by the devaluation of their national currency, like in Turkey. At some point, Tether USDT was the second traded currency in the entire country, even compared to fiat currencies. So that's not because we were 
you know, great guys in, in communicating or, or doing a great marketing pitches, but it's just people had needed like um, an, an alternative to the Turkish lira in that example. Same thing is happening in Argentina. So, um, but now uh, I think we, you know, from the communication point of view and the marketing, we have uh, grown a lot also thanks to, I mean, our team is super outstanding and uh, although it's lean, it's, uh, it's doing amazingly and also we started developing and funding um, and co-founding um, uh, new um, uh, new projects like Hole Punch and Kit. So uh, still following the same philosophy of Bitcoin in terms of decentralization, fact that, uh, you know, um, um, building uh, applications that are truly unstoppable, yet focusing more on communication, we believe that uh, we can help the uh, mm, uh, to widespread the adoption of both Bitcoin and, and Tether uh, stablecoin products uh, around the world th um, using and building applications that are UX friendly, that are looking um, to provide uh, uh, incredible utilities when it comes to you know building um, uh, strong, resilient communication networks works um, uh, you know for for individuals for companies for for even countries at this point so you know the, we are we are super excited about uh, this uh, change sort of that's not a change of strategy but additional business lines that are popping up inside the tether ecosystem because they will uh, definitely help the um, the the uh, I would say the uh, hyper bitcoinization and also the spread of um, in tether products Understood. I want to shift maybe to current events, I guess you could say, uh, something that's been top of mind, not just in, in crypto, but across capital markets, global markets, is uh, the, the looming potential of a default um, and the negotiations between lawmakers in the U.S. on the debt ceiling. Um, <clears throat> If there's sort of a, an amount set aside um, for your reserves in short duration treasuries, is there any sort of risk that those treasuries might trade below a dollar if the debt ceiling issues sort of continue to unfold? Is there any is there any risk there, or how are you thinking even about the the debt ceiling as it pertains to uh, reserves? So uh, first of all, we um, we started using um, instruments like uh, reverse repos and so on. It was part of uh, our public announcement and our latest attestation shows that in order to ensure that we have uh, uh, deep liquidity, we have uh, uh, we also hedge ourselves uh, from these type of risks. We have um, we started using um, these type of instruments that anyway are still fully backed. Um, on the other side, right now, um, by the end of this month, um, is uh, roughly um, Tether will hold around 2.7 billion uh, dollars in excess reserves. Um, uh, among the excess reserves, there is around 1.8 percent. 
uh, of the total reserves in Bitcoin that amounts to 1.5 billion dollars that is again less that is really important because uh, we got many questions around that that 1.5 billion is lower than the 2.7 billion in reserves that uh, that are the excess reserves that Tether holds now the excess reserves are uh, just to be clear are the additional capital so the accrued net profits that the tether holds on top of the 100% reserves that tether holds in order to reserve the to completely reserve and back uh, the uh, all the outstanding tokens so Simply put, Tether has to have, of course, 100% of all the reserves to back all the outstanding tokens. But uh, on top of that, Tether accrued over the last years uh, 2.7 billion um, uh, in additional excess reserves. So that money in a normal company would be distributed uh, among the shareholders uh, that would be happily by starting buying yachts and uh, planes and uh, all this kind of stuff. So instead, Tether uh, decided to keep that amount of money inside the company to farther back the stablecoin to make it the most solid thing that uh, we have seen in the financial um, uh, industry uh, at large. So um, uh, we believe, and so one of the additional moves that we made is to invest uh, 15%, up to 15% of uh, this, uh, the uh, ongoing net op uh, operative um, uh, profits in Bitcoin. I think this move uh, in general allows us to uh, be even farther, uh, to have uh, even farther resiliency. Because again, we could have distributed these dividends, we didn't, we keep even more money, we invest, we diversify also the type of investment that we do with these excess reserves. So, you know, if us, you know, if uh, shit hits the fan, um, we have gold, we have, uh, that is accounting to 4% of our reserves, we have Bitcoin, we have 2.7 billion in, in excess uh, reserves, we have um, um, reverse repos, uh, we, you know, we, and the, the maturity that we have is, uh, is uh, super short anyway, so I think we are in the best position to, to, to survive any possible black swan event that will come to us. Is there is there a point at which uh, you're comfortable enough with the risk management or the risk profile of the reserves that you can take some dividends and, and maybe get a small boat? <laughs> well, we will see. I mean, uh, uh, I like the fact that we invest in Bitcoin. So, but uh, you know, at, at some point, of course, um, the the more the these reserves will grow, the, we you know we are a company, a private company, so definitely um, we we could be looking into that. But uh, for the moment, uh, the to, uh, the only important thing is to make sure that people understand that uh, um, the quality of our service and the product itself is, uh, is, uh, is, is super strong and super liquid. And how did you, how do you sort of come to uh, that threshold of, of 15%? What's the logic or calculus there? So, you know, central banks um, started to allow, um, you know, banks um, to um, allow these bank, the bank customers to invest part of their portfolios into uh, Bitcoin. So um, we wanted to be, though, extremely conservative. So 15% is uh, is amount of... Um, of, uh, is a percentage that is not too low because if you invest only 5% of the net operative profits, right? The net of, just to clarify, right? The net of uh, operative profits are 
the ones that are uh, realized in cash, right? So for example, you, you have 5% on the T-bills, they generate, you know, maybe $700 million um, uh, dollars per quarter. Um, you remove the the operative costs. You remove the unrealized PNL that is generated, for example, by the gold, um, and then you get your number. And and from that number, we get the fifteen percent. So. We didn't want this, it's really important. We are not uh, investing the, uh, the portion that is uh, coming from, of profits that is coming from the unrealized PL because we want to be as conservative as possible. Um, on, um, but the, it's, it's not necessarily a magic number, I think is is a good threshold that is not too much, is not too little, that makes us comfortable. And the up to 15% is, is still important as a, as, a, as a notion because we still want to make sure that if we see, we we feel that, uh, you know, the wind is changing and there is uh, is important to have, uh, you know, for a specific period of time, more, even that 15% still in, in, uh, in cash and cash equivalents, we would keep that, right? So we are uh, leaving us some freedom, uh, but uh, I think that in general it was important to be transparent to the public that Tether would uh, also look to diversify its portfolio because anyway it's, public, it's part of the public attestation, right? So people would see the number going up and you see if you, if you saw the latest, uh, uh, the latest attestation we started to disclosing um, the, uh, the exact amount of, uh, um, of a, a national value of gold and, and Bitcoin for this purpose because you know we, we wanted to go the the, the step further we discussed um, uh, many times and uh, provide this additional clarity. So while we, we did that, it became obvious that we should also provide some additional clarity on our strategy to manage the accessory service of the company. Is there an opportunity to expand beyond Bitcoin to other cryptocurrencies or is there a specific, is it it's sort of like, you know, a supplement to gold versus um, cryptocurrency, like diversification into crypto itself? Um, no, I think the, we, we are not interested in investing in anything that uh, that is not Bitcoin. I mean, um, the Bitcoin has this um, unique uh, thing where if there is a thing that all the regulators around the world are agreeing on is that Bitcoin is, is a commodity and is different from all the other uh, all the other crypto assets. For us, um, you know, we, we don't want to speculate honestly on, on, uh, on crypto. We want to be diverse. We want to be to have high liquidity and Bitcoin honestly is the asset, the only crypto asset that has super deep liquidity. Even during the worst scale, the worst times of, uh, of uh, the crypto uh, finance, like 2022 has been a terrible year for, for crypto, right? We had Bitcoin became almost oversold. Was uh, started with uh, uh, Terra Luna. You remember that uh, you know there were like these eighty thousand Bitcoin that were um, moved around by the the um, uh, LFG uh, Foundation, 
and then uh, uh, and then eventually sold. Then you had Celsius that, uh, and then you had uh, uh, BlockFi and all these. Like uh, everyone was uh, selling bitcoins all around, and yet Bitcoin was able was uh, all these Bitcoin was uh, uh, were bought up uh, from OTC desk and, and and market makers, and the liquidity was there, right? So that is a unique condition for a crypto asset. That means that you know institutions are actually were stepping in in, in buying these uh, cheap bitcoins from from the market and scooping them up. Um, I, I cannot say I can I really don't see the same thing even in Ethereum. It doesn't have enough deep liquidity for you to branch out into that. Here is a message from our sponsor CleanSpark. CleanSpark is a Nasdaq listed company that mines Bitcoin. Basically, they build and operate data centers with tens of thousands of computers that help secure Bitcoin, making it more reliable and secure for anybody, anywhere to use. These computers require a lot of energy, but that's why CleanSpark predominantly uses low carbon energy to power their machines. But that's not all. They care about the communities where their data centers are located. They create jobs, donate to schools and community centers, and revitalize aging electricity grids in rural parts of America. They aren't just a Bitcoin miner. They're one of the most efficient and sustainable Bitcoin miners in America. Visit www.cleanspark.com to learn more. What about the state of the market right now? Uh, liquidity's really dried up. Market seems relatively sleepy. What, what's going to... What could be a catalyst to sort of shake things up a bit? Is it just waiting on macro, which is in the driver's seat right now? Yeah, I think the you know this um, this uh, uh, thing with the um, potential U.S. default that, by the way, I, I don't think will happen. I mean, it's um, um, it would be uh, catastrophic for the U.S. economy anyway, but. Uh, uh, even um, I think everyone is sitting uh, tight and to, to monitor what's going on and what will happen. Um, I think uh, we have seen a good rebound from 16k, 17k to 27, 30. Uh, but now we need to be. Um, I think the market, uh, with the interest rates also uh, being ramping up, that leaves a little bit of um, less space uh, in general to uh, more volatile investments because people prefer to have a five percent that is kind of more certain, right? So now you you can you can see that overall, apart of the fact that Tether grew in in uh, in, uh, in market cap, but uh, you, if you see the entire uh, stablecoin market cap, right, as a sum, it went down. I think twenty thirty percent from the whole time highs because in the end people prefer to sit on the on their dollars and, and earn an interest out of it. Um, and so that also leaves less space, less liquidity to actually reinvest that liquidity in, in, in the crypto markets. And so it's it's kind of multi-factor, uh, but definitely if we are starting to see the um, U.S. inflation numbers going down, um, the if uh, the Fed will stop ramping up the interest rates, uh, I believe that we will be in a situation where the market will start healing, not not just the crypto market, the market in general. Would you say stablecoin supply is a leading indicator to more robust or more? bullish market activity if we were to start to see maybe that supply inch back up in aggregate is that an indicator that people are feeling a bit more um, secure in, in crypto 
Yeah, I would say so. Look at the TVLs of all the different DeFi uh, platforms, right? It's um, a part one or two. Um, also, the, Def uh, the, the TVL locked into all the other DeFi, uh, sorry, all the other blockchains. Um, uh, it's, it's at really uh, the historical minimum just because uh, you know, there is uh, the stablecoin supply is down, the prices are down, and um, in this moment, um, the only thing that has a little bit of liquidity remains Bitcoin. All the rest is, is uh, completely dried out. And um, yeah, I, I think is as long as if people and if investors will start feeling again confident, the classic medium to get into crypto is buying stablecoins, right? Acquiring new stablecoins. And so we we will see uh, possibly our competitors ramping up uh, a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> And I, I, you know, I'm still, you know, uh, bullish on the fact that uh, Tether USDT could easily approach to 100 billion in that case. I haven't checked. I didn't check this morning. Let's see what we're at. 83 billion. We're it's all, almost, we're almost there. I feel like it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, get, and then revert. No, just kidding. Oh man. He'd, you can hear that. Yeah, he touched the, take you. the other side <laughs> of the bet. Um, so. Let's maybe talk a little bit about sort of your plans, you know, for the next six months as it pertains to Tether.io. What are you most excited about? So, look, I think Tether is um, in this uh, condition that is uh, um, is a unique spot, right? So now, um, for for a long time, the profitability of uh, who was uh, holding um, uh, safe assets like T bills, but you know, I, I always go back. Sorry about that, but on the commercial papers, right? So even the commercial papers we had were super safe, right? So the profitability of uh, if you have super safe assets. Especially in moments when you know the inflation is low, these uh, these uh, assets will hold uh, really a few amount of like uh, just just a bunch of uh, of uh, basis points. In our case, was between you know uh, fifteen to twenty five basis points, up to thirty maybe, because we held the stuff that was a one a two rated, and so. But now that the profitability of, of tether went up. It allows us to start um, uh, using some of, of the profits to invest in, uh, for example, uh, energy uh, production, renewable, of course, in uh, Bitcoin mining. We announced a little, you know, I think probably one year ago that we were looking at seriously at uh, Bitcoin mining, not doing any reckless uh, investment, really. It's not like um, we don't plan to start pouring uh, billions in that, but it's just um, that's something that we like to explore. We like to understand uh, really well the, the technology. We like to uh, become a technological partner for all the companies that uh, are interested in doing uh, Bitcoin mining. Um, we are interested to become uh, the technological partner for companies that need, and, and the organization, CITES government, that wants to um, 
to uh, improve their tech and communication infrastructure. You know, that's why we, we, we focus so much on Holopunch and Keith. So I think the, the, the beauty of, uh, of our, you know, next period plan is that we can uh, start diversifying ourselves um, a little bit from, from the pure stablecoin uh, offering and become a more round um, tech provider um, that, uh, that acquires expertise in, in, in many important fields, right? So energy, communication, um, uh, uh, financial infrastructure are going to be the key uh, of the next, you know, six to you know, six to twelve to probably uh, forty-eight months. Do you think you guys could be more involved in the venture market? Maybe making some bets um, from sort of these net profits. We have a we have a super conservative in general independently from from you know we as a people right as a, as personally we really have a conservative approach to to investments so we um, um you know there is a there is a joke i come from genoa so you know my hands are not reaching my pocket right so um, if you if you go out with me in dinner you should be prepared to for me to say ah, uh, that thing is too expensive but uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember each, but uh, you know, it's uh, definitely there are some interesting companies that uh, that are worth looking at, and especially you know we we invest in in companies that are aligned with our vision, aligned with our um, you know with uh, with our philosophy. That is, uh, you know, we we want to build the super cool uh, technology, and that's it, right? So you know, it's. Um, um, we are we are we remain lean companies. We like companies that are as lean as as us. That are like not uh, pumping the numbers of uh, the the employees when everything goes well, and then starting to cut heads when uh, things are not that good anymore. Um, uh, that is in general the one of the, my main critics to the to the classic VC play. Um, so yeah, we we are kind of a. Completed. We are investing in companies, uh, usually small chunks, uh, and uh, we don't invest in uh, in super huge companies, right? We prefer to work with uh, with startups, people that want to explore uh, technology rather than uh, uh, investing in like super big, uh, super established companies. Um, um, yeah. It, it seems like the center of gravity of this market's moving more and more offshore, right? With news of Coinbase and Gemini looking to launch derivative offerings offshore, stepping into maybe the gap left behind by uh, now bankrupt FTX. How do you see that shaping out? I mean, there's a lot at play here from a regulatory perspective. Obviously, um, you know, the U.S. may be chasing people out, uh, Hong Kong and other jurisdictions like Paris. I'll give a shout out to your Lugano as well, being a bit more open. How do you how do you think this all sort of shakes out and uh, what, what does it mean maybe for just our capital markets? Look, I mean... Um Offshore is a relative term, right? Offshore uh, for me. So no, offshore offshore for you. To, um, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> well, it's also offshore for me, but uh, no, I'm, I'm, you're amazed. But yeah, it's no, I, I'm joking because sometimes, like, uh, uh, offshore is uh, sounds like a, a really bad term, but um, actually, uh, 
we are seeing, I mean, and sadly, I think U.S. had a ton of talent, right? So U.S. had been driving technology for the last 30 years, right? Especially when it comes to internet and, uh, you know, it's uh, all the um, all, all the biggest companies um, in, in, in the space from Google, Amazon, Apple are all coming from the U.S., right? So it's clear that U.S. understands the technology. And so seeing um, the... Um, the aggressivity that and the uncertainty that comes from uh, from uh, the U.S. in terms of uh, both regulation and uh, and banking is kind of heartbreaking, right? So because it's like a you and once in a lifetime opportunity for companies to uh, for for a country to lead the technology, right? So has happened with the uh, with internet that should also happen with with blockchain technology, and so um, so with this uncertainty, of course. I mean, com even companies like Coinbase that uh, always look at the offshore uh, competitors as like tainted, um, they are now forced to, you know, go around um, and, uh, you know, um, ex uh, not exit entirely the US, but uh, they have to start looking at, uh, at uh, other and better alternatives. And in the end, I'm personally glad that, uh, you know, they are finally seeing the light not because, of course, they shouldn't have been in the U.S. The, the seeing the light means that you know the world is is big, right? So it's 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 big, it's diverse, and is full of great people all around the world. And so, not necessarily um, should be concentrated in a single location. So now. We are seeing this move, and uh, in, uh, you know, from um, I think they, they they are looking at Cayman, the UAE, and and so on. So, it's it, it just makes sense. But again, it's it's saddening that uh, that means that uh, the US will lose a little bit of ground. Um, uh, definitely, Paris uh, seems to be one interesting hub in Europe. I would say that in this moment, uh, Lisbon is the one that is still leading also because of uh, my understanding has uh, some interesting tax implications to be in, uh, in Portugal rather than being in uh, in Paris in France uh, it's almost you know, not not funny but it's almost interesting that uh, Hong Kong um, has been uh, reopening so fast uh, after the US uh, crackdown on, on crypto as if they wouldn't they they are understanding the enormous potential that Hong Kong has in order to attract companies from the US right so it's perfectly time if you think about time uh, if you think about it right so one closed down and the other one immediately opens opens up like uh, both Hong Kong and Singapore it is. It's. It's actually kind of interesting that it's happening at the same time. Do you have a Do you have a theory behind that? Is that Is that, is that coincidence or? I mean, I think is. Um, I mean, governments are interested to capitalize. You know, if uh, companies are fleeing a country, especially a big country like uh, like U.S., um, if uh, there is always interest to. Um, to, to bring that value, that money, that talent, that uh, that intelligence and brain to your own country, and so I think it happened for you know the reason why it, it was almost so sudden uh, this move was rightfully to capitalize on on um, the uncertainty happening elsewhere, and um, I think it's a brilliant move. In the end, if you are the if you have the first mover advantage, or if you are if you uh, 
are able to regulate in the right way with the right balance this technology before anyone else you will you will scoop everything yeah stands to reason well paula thanks so much for joining the show appreciate you taking the time thank you very much frank and uh, it's always a pleasure the scoop will be back for you again with another great guest have a great day